Welcome to Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Join us as Pastor Marty teaches us verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, through the Word of God. To listen to any of these messages in their entirety or to find out more about our fellowship, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. Let's listen in to today's message, and may the Lord richly bless you. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt His tender mercy? Who through life has been my guide? being opened to our eyes even now. Recognize the times and the seasons in which we live. This is why this book, I believe, is so important. And so we can understand those mysteries. So two themes, history and mystery. But there's also two key divisions of the book, and it's done by language, Aramaic and Hebrew. And this is one of the things the critics always point to, and I'll come back to that. But the book starts in Hebrew. Chapter one starts all in Hebrew. It's written in Hebrew. And then in chapter 2, around verse 4, the second part of verse 4, it's kind of a strange, it begins in Aramaic. And then in chapter 7, verse 24, I believe, um, it goes back to Hebrew, and it finishes in Hebrew. And so again, the critics point to this and say, well, and, and most people say, well, why is it that way? Why is it Hebrew and Aramaic? And we don't know for sure. But understand this, Daniel would have, of course, spoken Hebrew. He would have, of course, spoken that. And as he acclimated to Babylon, he would have certainly used Aramaic. There were similarities to Aramaic and Hebrew. There were similar words. It was easy to communicate that way. But not only that, the language of Aramaic was also called Chaldee, which if you know anything about Babylon, it's in the land of the Chaldees. That was probably one of the most popular languages of the day. And it was common. You know, many times in, in business and in culture, English is used today because the dollar and all this, it's, it's very common for someone to speak another language and then actually speak, you know, in the common language to communicate. I don't think it's a problem. Most scholars don't believe it's a problem. But, you know, this book is so powerful. And I remember growing up, one of the things, even before I was a believer, this is in the late 70s, I was just a little guy. I told you I was a heathen, and I was. And, uh, but I remember my family had this big Bible. It's even before my parents were Christians. And they had this big Bible. Remember those family Bibles? They were like this big. (laughs) When you're a little kid, that's how big they feel. You couldn't even lift it. But I loved the paintings in it. And I remember hearing the story of David and Goliath and being in awe. But for some reason, the story of Daniel and the lion's den really stood out to me. And I remember looking at that painting. And if anybody remembers those old Bibles, there's a painting of Daniel just laying on one of those lions like it's his friend. Now, I don't know if that's how it happened. But I remember thinking as a little kid, you know, and we didn't have much for entertainment. (laughs) Remember the late 70s? Well, some of you don't remember, but it's okay. Um, Here's the thing. We had like a 13-inch black and white TV in our house. I'm not kidding. That's what we had. And we had those little antennas that come up. And we got two channels. We got CBS and ABC. And if we wanted NBC out of Boise, we had to put tinfoil on it and move it around. Then when we got a roof antenna, it was always like my brother would yell at me to turn the antenna we could have two channels or one channel, but never all three. It was kind of that. But I remember just being impressed with this Bible and these paintings. And I remember thinking, it wasn't because of Daniel and it wasn't because of David with the story of David and Goliath. I remember even thinking as a little boy, it was because of the power of God. 
I remember specifically thinking that, and I remember thinking, I need that power in my life. It was just amazing as a little boy, you know, uh, you know, when you're a little kid, things are, your perspective is skewed anyway, but I just remember that, and it stood out for me. And this is why, one of the reasons I love the whole book of Daniel, because it's just that. It's a powerful display of God's sovereignty, of his power. It's a powerful display of an omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient God. And when you look at God himself and you look at him in the pages of his scripture, the book of Daniel displays his power in a mighty way. He not only rules over the affairs of men, but he writes history before it happens. He writes prophecy and it happens. And the book of Daniel is extremely accurate for that reason. The book of Daniel gives us in grand presentation not only the power of God for the present, but the plan of God for the future. And all the while it demonstrates why you can trust him and you can trust his word. Don't trust the words of men. Don't trust the news. Don't trust the things that are going around, all around the world and the stuff you're hearing. Don't be afraid by digital currency, all these things that are coming. They must come to pass. Rely on your king, rely on your Lord, rely on your God. He will never leave you or forsake you, and he is greater than all of it. And guess what? He wrote it before it ever happened. He knows what tomorrow holds. And I love that. I love that about this book. And in fact, this book is so accurate, as I said, that so many critics attack it because it literally declares all of the civilizations, all the great empires from Daniel's time all the way to the second coming of Christ. Do you know that? It's powerful in that way. But many of the critics, they claim false things about this book. One of the things they say, because it's written in two languages, it must have had different authors. They say because it's so accurate with history and the, the kingdoms of Babylon and Medo-Persia and Greece and Rome, because of that, it must have been written at a later date. That's what they say, and they'll try to criticize and they'll try to tear it down. But what I love is, again, God's ways are not our ways. God has a way of just destroying the critics' arguments. Have you ever noticed? And you know, he did this partially because two, te two teenagers lost their goat. <laughs> I love the way you're looking at me. So part of the reason, part of the, the destruction of the critics and their claims to the book of Daniel not being valid is that two teenagers, two Bedouin shep you know, shepherds, young men, teenagers who were training to be shepherds, 13 miles east of Jerusalem at 1,300 uh, feet below sea level, had lost a goat. They lost a goat because they were messing around. That's the story. They lost a goat and they went searching for it. This is in 1946. Some of you might remember that. I'm, you know, I'm not going to point any fingers. But these, these two teenagers lost their goat and they went looking for it. And then as they were looking, one of the cousins, they were two cousins, they saw this gap in a cliffside and he picked up a rock and he threw it into this, this opening and he heard a shattering noise. And so the other cousin said, I'm going to go in there and look. And what he found were these giant clay pots, these earthen vessels. And in them were, were papyrus and leather scrolls. And they grabbed them. And what they were was the Isaiah scroll. There were seven in total. The Habakkuk commentary and then something called community rule, which was from the Essenes. And it, was told, it told believers how to live godly. And so they took these back to the elders and they showed them to him, and the elders weren't that impressed, <laughs> these Bedouin sheep herders. And they were like, well, you know, we might be able to sell them. They tried to, but people wouldn't buy them. And they were afraid that they were stolen from a synagogue, but they didn't think there was much value. And then they shopped them around, and finally this Assyrian Christian said, there's value in these, and he got them. 
but then they changed hands a few more times. Then in 1947, they came uh, into the contact of a scholar who realized what they were exactly. And he, he traced it back and he found out where these were. They were in Qumran, in this area. Um, on the, it's on the northern border or the northern shore of the Dead Sea. Um, when we go to Israel, we'll probably visit that. But it was in Qumran and he found several caves. They started doing research. In 1948, all the way through 1956, there were major expeditions. And what they found was incredible. Because what they found was between 825 and 870 separate scrolls. All because two teenagers lost a goat. <laughs> I just love that. I just love how God does this stuff. But there were 19 copies of Isaiah, 25 copies of the, the favorite book of the Bible of Jesus. And I always joke because it's the one he rebuked Satan with. And you guys have heard my jokes, but my jokes are like a fine wine. They only get better with age. So, but you know, there were 25 copies of Deuteronomy. That's what I call Deuteronomy because Jesus used it to defeat Satan three times, right? There were 30 copies of the Psalms, many copies of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, really the whole Old Testament. There were also non-canonical books, such as the Book of Mysteries, the New Jerusalem, Testament of Levi, the Book of Jubilees, the Book of Melchizedek, the Book of Enoch, or the Book of the Giants. They were all found within these caves, these multiple caves. And it shook the world of scholar and uh, uh, research because so many of the critics didn't know what to say about this because many of them always said, well, it must be a later date of authorship for the book of Daniel. Well, guess what? They found eight full copies of the book of Daniel, eight scrolls of the book of Daniel. And when you study this out, it didn't deviate. There were no major differences, punctuation here and there, but the modern context of the scripture and what they found in those caves is identical. You can trust the Bible. You can trust the scripture. And I just love this. But we understand and we know that these belong to a sect called the Essenes, who were a very righteous Jewish sect. But they, many of them, most of them became believers in Yeshua, became Christians. And Josephus wrote this about the Essenes. And we know that these scrolls probably began being collected around 300 BC, all the way through 68 AD. And Josephus wrote this. He said they were a Torah-observant, Torah Messianic, apocalyptic, Baptist, wilderness, New Covenant Jewish sect. That sounds fun to me. That's people I'd want to hang out with. What about you? That's awesome. But we don't know for sure, you know, but here's what we know. Um, one of the things in evidence that they have partial evidence is that the leader of the Essenes was eventually killed by religious leaders in Jerusalem because of their Christianity. They called themselves the Sons of Light and the House of Holiness after Christ because they believed in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But they also called themselves the Way. It's a pretty amazing thing. And some scholars suggest that John the Baptist was part of the Essenes. We don't know for sure, but he dressed like them and he acted like them. When you study this out, they were very similar in, in behavior. And they were very much devoted and dedicated. And it's crazy, too, because when you study out the Essenes and that whole um, what they believed, many believed they predicted the first coming of Christ, that they knew he was coming because of the prophecies of Daniel and others. They were the ones who studied the word and held to the word. And may we be like the Essenes in this day. Not in every way. <laughs> Go study it out. You'll see why. But... Some scholars believe that John the Baptist, we don't know for sure, but it's all fascinating. But here's the thing, something greater than all that is just that. This has been Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to hear this message again, or any other in their entirety, please visit golgothafellowship.org. Our fellowship meets in southeast Nampa, 
and our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. For more information visit our website. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you. Hi folks, Pastor Marty here. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the teaching today. You know, it's my prayer that it's encouraged you to continue faithfully in the study of God's Word. I think it's so crucially important that these days the body of Christ stay in grounded and anchored in the Word of God as the world around us is sinking in the waves of false doctrine and the opinions of men. If you are seeking a church family, a church home, and you live in the Southeast Nampa area, I want to personally invite you. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. and we currently meet at East Valley Middle School. That's right off Greenhurst and Happy Valley. If you want to find out more, if you have any questions, you need directions, you want to catch up on a message, or if you have a prayer request, just go to our website, GolgothaFellowship.org. Let me help you spell that. It's G-O-L-G-O-T-H-A Fellowship.org. Until next time, may God bless you and remember to hold fast.